Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Telling Tales uh, Paizo's Adventure Paths panel. Uh, nice to have you here with us this Gen Con. My name is Patrick Greeny. I'm a Pathfinder uh, developer. With me, I have uh, Jason Keeley from left to right. I have Jason Keeley, Starfinder Development Manager. I have Ron Lundeen, who is a, uh, the Pathfinder Development Manager. And I have James Jacobs, Creative Director. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, uh, thanks for for being here, everybody. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to talking about Pathfinder and Starfinder adventure paths today. Um, the new, the the uh, newer, and uh, the newest. You know, just just what's what's hot and what's coming. Um, the the first thing I wanted to talk about, uh, if we want to just dive right into it, is um, the recently announced uh, Outlaws Outlaws of Alkenstar adventure path. I think uh, we have some pretty cool art of that uh, to to show off, and I wanted to you know talk a little bit about this. So so some of the the Pathfinder veterans out there might recognize this piece from a, a little module that came out uh, a couple of years ago called Wardens of the Reborn Forge. That was our first like big foray into Alkenstar, which is the the city of smog, our kind of steampunk, innovative clockwork. Uh, tech, you know, uh, 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 brass, you know, and clock tech city. Um, so this was this was uh, the, the illustration that went in that book of, of Alkenstar. So we're really excited to be going down to the street level once again. And uh, uh, let's check out the, the cover sketch of the first volume, which which uh, shows off um, some pretty exciting escapades going on in the neighborhood of Hellside, which is uh, built into the uh, kind of rocky cliff that you saw in that first illustration. Um, so it, it uh, straddles this this big river which runs through the city, and uh, it's got all these shanty little uh, uh, kind of streets and uh, scaffolding and planks and um, buildings, you know, built onto the side of the. Uh, wall, the cliff wall here, and uh, we have the new iconic inventor and uh, uh, his little robot buddy um, running away from a, a div. So it's uh, pretty, pretty exciting uh, stuff. That'll be for the first volume, um, which is called Punks in a Powder Cake. Uh, and that uh, artist of that one is uh, um, Dennis uh, Spankov. Uh, so yeah, really looking forward to Outlaws of Alkenstar, as its name suggests, you take on the role of um, kind of renegade outlaws who have uh, had your names sullied, uh, you know, for 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 some one reason, one way or another. The player's guide will help you establish, you know, exactly what your background is, what what you did before. Uh, the adventure starts, but uh, your 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 basic motive and goal in this adventure path is to get revenge on the the evil mogul who wronged you and who who basically ruined your lives. And so you all have a, a shared grudge against this guy. And so you're all uh, on the streets of Alkenstar exploring this gritty kind of steampunk city. Um, I'm a big fan of Alkenstar. Uh, I wrote the Wardens of the Reborn Forge adventure and uh, really excited to be going back into it, uh, getting a, a much closer look and a more in-depth look of uh, the people, the places, you know, the, the little cultures and all sorts of stuff that's going on in there. I think it's going to be really awesome and I'm really excited to share that with everybody. Uh, Patrick, next, I didn't, I didn't realize oh, you, 
I didn't realize you had written that that war, the written written wardens. I didn't never really. It, it was yeah. Ago. yeah. It was it was a minute ago. You know, nice. it was uh, it was uh, I think it was twenty uh, fourteen thirteen something like that. So yeah, it was it was a while ago. Mm-hmm. Last time we took a, a in depth look at Alkenstar, but yeah, it was uh, kind of a an unexplored region. You know. Um, this, the mana wastes, this like magic dead wasteland desert between the wizard nations of Nex and Geb. And um, that's how it's this cradle of technology because magic doesn't function there as you think it would. Um, I, I thought that was such a cool idea and it's uh, explored and, you know, it, it offers so many opportunities for unusual adventures, right? Because magic is such an important part of um Galarian and stuff like that. So what do you do if you can't rely on magic so much? You invent firearms, you invent clockwork, you know, engines, you uh, come up with, you know, huge factories and stuff like that. And uh, it's a really cool, um, really weird place, you know? So uh, yeah, it's, it's a place great for unusual stories for sure. Uh, I think the next uh, yeah, yeah. The next thing uh, uh, I think, Ron, uh, you're going to talk about uh, is uh, another AP that was recently announced Excellent. or that you're announcing. Yeah. Oh, no, that uh, Eric touched on this in his keynote, um, the adventure path that we're going to have starting in July 2022 uh, is a six part adventure path called Blood Lords. Um, we don't yet have any art for this, but I will show the uh, cover of the Book of the Dead. Uh, it's important to show this picture because the main figure in the centerpiece there, that ghostly uh, king sitting on the throne, is the ghost king Geb, who rules the nation named after himself, uh, the nation of Geb. And the Geb runs this nation of both living and undead uh, creatures with the assistance of a group of about 60 blood lords. They're like the inner circle government that runs this whole nation. And there is a, a an impossible array of intrigues and uh, fighting between them, um, as you might expect uh, when you've got undead creatures that are helping to run the land. They have got schemes that will span centuries because they can outlive um, a lot of their mortal opponents or uh, try to have long-ranging schemes against their rivals. Um, Book of the Dead talks about how Geb is sort of administered by a series of great factions. These are like the big political organizations and the blood lords sort of put them against each other in a, uh, um, a way that is just, just chock full of intrigue opportunities. The six part blood lords adventure path, which takes characters from first level where you start out doing a favor for one of the blood lords. Uh, eventually the players become blood lords themselves um, and get deeply involved in these machinations. Now we've had we've had some people say, well, well, you know, Geb is an evil nation. Geb, the Ghost King, is an evil guy. Is this your adventure path for evil PCs? And the answer is no. But it's not the one for good PCs. Uh, that is to say, the same way some of our adventure paths have certain choices that make it just really hard to meet the conceit of the adventure path. A magic-hating barbarian is not going to do very well in the magic school adventure path strength of thousands. Um, a, a noble and righteous crusader who wants to put all undead down is going to be a poor choice for the Blood Lord's adventure path. But people who genuinely want to help the people of Geb from something that is threatening the entire nation uh, uh, will find a place to, to fit. This is not uh, necessarily everybody's bad guys, but you are scheming 
intrigue uh, uh, goes on quite a bit. Um, and getting Geb's favor, the leader, uh, is one of the important pieces of this. We've got a lot to do and to say about Geb. This isn't the adventure path where at the conclusion you fight Geb and you win and who's in charge of the, the kingdom now. No, this is a uh, uh, what's going on to, to, pre to help the people that are in the nation and to set the stage for future things that we may want to do. So this is the, uh, the, the very heavy intrigue one. Um, I did want to give a quick rundown. Um, we've got the six parts. Let me just give you their titles uh, because I think they're, they're fun. And the authors who have all proven to be very, very talented at this. Um, Adventure one is Zombie Feast by Mike Kimmel. Uh, then Grave Claw by Jason Tondro. Uh, Field of Maidens by Jenny Jerzobski. Uh, number four is The Ghoul's Hunger by Leo Glass. Uh, number five, A Taste of Ashes by Brian Duckwitz. And the, the, the uh, finale of this, number six, is the is Ghost King's Rage by Jessica Catalan. So it'll awesome. be a lot of fun. Sounds like the, yeah. the perfect, uh, perfect mm -hmm. adventure path for my uh, necro my, my uh, you know, broody necromancer that I've been wanting to play since Wrath of the Righteous, right? Wouldn't fit there, but it'll fit in this one. <laughs> totally, yeah. And, and, and with some of the things, some of the character options that are available in uh, Book of the Dead that we've been talking about, this is the just the type of adventure for playing a living PC or an undead PC. That, that's awesome. Really looking forward to that. Uh, uh, Jason, I think you have uh, uh, some yeah. exciting stuff to, to share with us. Yeah, let's talk about Starfinder APs. Uh, right now, we've got the the, the current AP is, uh, is uh, Horizons of the Vast, which the first volume came out, uh, authored by our very own Ron Lundine here. Um, and uh, I, I'm hoping people are enjoying that. But the second and and through six volumes will be uh, coming out um, uh, over the coming months. Uh, you know, we have switched over to a um, bi-monthly release, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be a little bit uh, to get the rest of these volumes out, but uh, they are uh, a whole lot of fun. Uh, I basically sort of uh, uh, we're we're in the process of sending the last two uh, to the printers in the next couple of months, and uh, 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 some of the art is looking really good. We can see here uh, this particular picture by uh, Damian Mamaliti is the, uh, the 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 ship that the PCs get to arrive on the planet of um, uh, New Harmony with all of their uh, uh, settlement stuff sort of packed into this weird cube um and basically this is this is kind of a a, a ship that is built by um uh some of the anasites of abalon who are like you know the ships don't need to be aerodynamic we're, we're robots but they need to be functional this ship needs to be functional um so basically uh, what happens is this ship comes down and, and breaks into a bunch of pieces and you basically use that to sort of start your start your settlement here on this uh on this uh new uh planet uh and then as the adventure progresses you're going to be unraveling all the secrets of the what's going on here uh why it happens to be a completely uninhabited planet when you uh when when it was discovered by uh the, the pack worlds and the vescarium uh building up uh, your charter there sort of making political decisions making uh um uh, infrastructure decisions, exploring the surrounding area that's sort of part of uh, your land lease, uh, uh, basically. Uh, maybe coming into conflict with some some uh, people who uh, uh, want to encroach on your territory, maybe some some other people who have come from uh, elsewhere, uh, from outside the planet to... to, to mess you up <laughs> uh but uh, in, in the end you know uh, the pcs are are in charge uh, right off the bat 
uh, of their uh, settlements, uh, and they can build new ones. And as yeah, this is our this is our kingmaker in space, right? This is our go. Here's a bunch of hexes for you to explore. Uh, you know, volumes one and two kind of uh, showcase a, a two two halves of the the charter that land that the the pcs have been given so you know if you're uh, if you've got both of them when you when you can get both of them uh and your pcs are feeling particularly uh uh, uh brave they can kind of go a little further east than maybe in the first one but then all the other stuff happening in the first adventure is still going to be happening um which you know try to make this as sandboxy as possible so there's a lot of a lot of different threads to to to, to pick up and pull on um i uh, uh i think we at this point uh, well, we've said all of the titles of uh, Horizons of the Vast um, uh, at this point, but the, the next one is going to be um, Serpents in the Cradle uh, by Hillary Moon Murphy, and that one is actually going to take a little closer look at uh, how the Aspis Consortium operates uh, in Starfinder. So that's a I know it's a topic other people, uh, some people have been interested in hearing about. We you know we mentioned them in the core rule book and saying how they're basically this corporation that is a uh, uh, you know skirting legality most of the time uh and what does it mean when they have their own charter you know their own sort of growing nation on this planet and then uh, maybe there are some other uh, individuals who come in and and, and uh, do some underhanded deeds that the pcs you know need to take care of um uh, but uh you know keep an eye on that well, i'm interested to hear what people think uh we have on the forums and and and, and whatnot and uh let me know uh if uh, how this new system this uh, charter system uh is is working out for you and your group if you've already started it um or if you're planning to in the near future uh but with that speaking of the future i'm gonna uh move on to the next the following ap that uh, i think uh uh Eric announced a little bit uh, the other day uh, because there is a, a hardcover book coming out around um, the March or April of next year uh, called uh, the Drift Crisis, and this is Starfinder's big sort of like we're gonna we're gonna mess with the setting a little bit here. We're gonna say that oh the drift our our sort of transitive hyperspace plane uh, gets all messed up, uh, and what happens? What how that how that affects communications? How that affects uh, uh, travel, uh, uh, shipping, and that sort of stuff? It's gonna change the setting in 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 some way uh, for sure, and it's gonna be something that the, you know your uh, your players can can engage in. We, the book the hardcover book gives you a whole bunch of um, uh, um, tools to, to tell many different types of stories, uh, whether it's low level or high level, uh, some new antagonists, uh, uh, plots, and that sort of thing. Uh, but we're also going to be supporting that uh, with uh, you know Starfinder Society scenarios, uh, some maps, and as well as uh, a couple of adventure paths. Um, and the first one of these is called Drift Crashers. Um, and this is basically the uh, what happens when uh, the drift crisis occurs. You're a group of uh, uh, crew on a starship that uh, that gets um uh, into a fight with some pirates right at the beginning uh and um the drift cr crash happens basically it's basically what what the, the drift crisis inciting incident is people get kicked out of the drift uh but uh, some people get kicked out of the drift not back to the material plane but to other planes and whatnot uh and uh, so you're on a ship this is a kind of a lost in space kind of uh, uh themed uh, adventure path where you uh, are uh, in your ship some pirates and your pirate and your ship and the pirate ship get all merged together uh because of all this planar nonsense uh and you end up uh starting off in hell yeah, that's right. Your first level Starfinder character who gets to 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 uh, in, enjoy hell for a little bit. Um, this first volume of the Adventure Path is uh, uh, is Gonzo 
bonkers and it just continues to get more gonzo uh as we go along um uh that first volume is called uh the perfect storm uh that's by jessica redekop uh uh coming out at the third this is only a three volume adventure path i should mention uh the second volume is called um nightmare scenario it's by jenny jersapsky and the third one is called masters of time and space uh, which is, of course, by Ron Lundin. If you know, we can't have a Pathfinder, a Starfinder Adventure Path go by without at least one volume being written by Ron Lundin. Uh, <laughs> I just get a nice little innocent look on his face if you could see him now. Um, the uh, uh, from there, uh, we're going to have uh, uh, another um, uh, uh, adventure path that sort of helps with uh, th with this first adventure path. Of Drift Crashers, you're not going to be solving the drift crisis; you're just going to be kind of surviving it. The adventure path that comes after that will be more of a uh, 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 kind of clearing up what happens with the drift crisis. Some 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 uh, problems there. Uh, I'm not going to give you the the names of uh, that one or uh, the volumes because we don't have them yet. Um, but we uh, or, or even just sort of a, a plot line. But we know it's going to be connected to the drift crisis and give your uh, players an opportunity to help uh, you know wrap it up. Uh, and that sense of the so the the drift crisis is basically a year long event in the setting of Starfinder uh, that will. Uh, at the end of it, maybe uh, come out with some some tweaks to the setting and things like that. So uh, we're all excited about this whole thing, and uh, it's something different that we're trying that uh, we hope you all love. Doesn't no, sound like a crisis to me. That sounds awesome. Thanks, thanks, Jason. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a crisisunity, <laughs> as, as, as we like to call it. <laughs> That's right. We got yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you for for mentioning the the names of the volumes and the authors too. I forgot to do that uh, earlier for punk uh, for for Outlaws of Alkenstar. So I'll just run through those real quick, and then we'll uh, uh, continue on to the next talking point. But the uh, the adventures in Outlaws of Alkenstar are Punks in a Powder Keg by Vanessa Hoskins. Uh, the second one is uh, Cradle of Quartz by Scott D. Young. And the final uh, volume in that three-part adventure path is called The Smoking Gun, and that's by Cole Cronwitter. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty happy with those names. They, they are uh, pretty fun one. to come up with. <laughs> Uh, the 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 next thing we're gonna do is uh, cover some odds and ends. Uh, James, I wanted to talk to you about Kingmaker. Uh, sounds like you might have some some uh, updates for us. Sure. So now that we've uh, looked deep into the future of the future with uh, drift crashers and all that, uh, let's <laughs> look in the other direction into the past. Uh, Kingmaker, one of our more popular adventure paths that we've done, is uh, very 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 close to having its its new expanded updated version for second edition uh, all done uh, we're in the process of doing the final round of editing and changes and all that here we see wayne reynolds uh, cover for the uh the adventure path one of the several books that we're publishing in this uh, effort um the adventure path itself is 640 pages long uh compare that to the original adventure path which was in all including all of its ad pages and everything like that uh, less than 600 pages long. So there's a lot of new information, a lot of new adventure stuff here. Um, it was part of a, a big crowdfunding effort, but all of these uh, books uh, will be available for anyone to purchase once once we're all done. Um, it's been a uh, pretty much the only thing I was working on throughout all of last year and a large portion of this year. So it's it's really exciting to finally, you know, and relieving, honestly, to get this to a point where we're about finally to... Uh, ship everything out and get everything finalized and all that so i'm really looking forward to how people uh 
enjoy. There's a lot of uh, content from the Owlcat uh, video game that we adapted in here. In some cases, they adapted full characters and storylines. We've got another book in this group called The Companion Guide, which has details on how to integrate a lot of the uh, characters that showed up in the video game, like Ekandaya or uh, uh, Juvelast, uh, uh, characters that played roles in, in the computer game can now play roles in your tabletop game as companions and NPCs and all that. Um, but uh, there's also some brand new content as well. And uh, I didn't want to get left out so that there's Romlin Dean content in here, of course. Um, and uh, there's overall, I was as I was looking through it, it's really a set up here, this sandbox. And your characters can skip entire adventures in this thing. You know, go left when the adventure wants them to go right or go up when they want them to go down or whatever. And uh, you're still going to hit 20th level, I think. If you try to do everything in this adventure path, you're going to hit 20th level really early. And I'm pretty excited by that. That's the whole point of a sandbox is stumbling into a part of the game environment that you're just not ready for and you have to run for your life from or, or hopefully not get tpk but uh then you go off and do something else explore other places get more powerful go back and re-tackle that area that you know threw you out earlier and be able to feel like you're actually becoming more powerful and more competent as as adventurers and um if that means you want to do everything and get to the end and it's it's a cakewalk because you're super 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 powerful i think that's actually a a attraction of the sandbox type of gameplay. It's it's not meant to be something that you're, you know, struggling against every single moment and every adventure encounter is is equally tough. Um, you're going to be able to feel a point where you are actually, you know, kings and queens of this new nation and are rightfully among the most powerful characters in the in the area. So, uh, won't always be that way. You can certainly like stumble into a. Uh, a nest of trolls when you're first level if you go in the wrong direction. So be forewarned. Anyway, so that'll be uh, coming out hopefully uh, uh, early-ish next year and uh, looking forward to what people have to say about it. So that's that's my odds. Uh, Ron, you have some odds too, right? Well, I think they have to be ends in order to meet Patrick's promise of both odds and ends. Um, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> Yes, we're we're uh, we're taking one of the uh, most popular second edition Pathfinder adventure paths, Abomination Vaults, and we're compiling it into a hardcover. Um, we have a mock-up image of the cover. This isn't the final. I I have to say, just yesterday, I saw the final cover image that's going to go on here, and we didn't get it in time to to slot it into this uh, this talk, but. Oh my goodness, it is gorgeous. And I am very excited for people to see that at some uh, some later date. Um, I mean, this is also creepy and gross and wonderful in its own, you know, you know gross flesh warpy kind of way. Um, but the final picture sort of showcases, like the Kingmaker one, some of the uh, some of the foes you'll be going up against in a in a very dramatic way. Um, we've had a couple of questions about this, and whereas with Kingmaker it really gave the opportunity to update from first edition to second edition to incorporate the Owlcat uh, game uh, innovations they've made to create new content. Uh, Abomination Vaults is going to be more of just a compilation of the volumes that you've seen. Now, we're not going to take all of the, uh, of the three volumes, line them up next to each other, slap a hardcover on it, call it good enough. Um, we are digging into some of the places that... that People who played this have seen. Well, this part's problematic. This this uh, this encounter is way tougher for more people than we ever expected. All right, we'll tweak it. Well, 
you know, this clue didn't seem to lead to the thing that we wanted it to lead to. All right, well, now we've made that a little more clear. So we've gone in to do um, a lot of tweaks there. We're actually presenting it not as three volumes, but as one big mega dungeon. I think that does the dun mega dungeon feel of the Abomination Vaults right. Um, and we're incorporating some of the back matter that is really important. Uh, the town of Otari, uh, which is sort of your, your home base when you're out exploring the, uh, the dungeon. Uh, frankly, having a home base that's just a half hour walk away means there's kind of a lot that goes on in that town that you're able to do. It's not just, okay, we go back to town, resupply, head back to the dungeon. <clears throat> there's some really vivid plots that interweave with what's going on in the dungeon. There are some really interesting and exciting characters there. All that credit to James Jacobs, who really brought the town of Otari and the whole first third of this adventure path to, to a really, uh, really gripping life. Um, but it's going to take the same three volumes. Um, the work is going to, the whole hardcover, uh, James Jacobs, Vanessa Hoskins, Stephen Radney McFarland, all the great work they did on this three-volume adventure path and put it together. Um, some of the uh, back matter that isn't directly tied to the adventure, we're not going to include. It is, it is interesting to know about the sort of the ecology of will-o'-wisps on Galarian, but not vital so to this adventure path. So that's the kind of thing we're not going to include. If you want to know all the, the secrets of uh, the, the mysterious and, and malevolent uh, Nimbleoth, uh, that's, that's not getting included. That Back Matter article is going to stay in the, uh, the original adventure. Um, but certainly all of the impact that those uh, things have on the adventure is going to be included. So it's going to be just one awesome mega dungeon, first or 10th level campaign that you'll be able to get in hardcover form. That sounds really cool. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one, uh, Ron. Yeah. Cause like you mentioned, it's, it's uh, awesome. Just the, the maps, how they all tie together. And uh, those were drawn by James Jacobs and, you know, just mm -hmm. uh, yep. really one of the, Really cool. Yeah, it's really cool that it's getting all put together as one mega dungeon. Yeah. Uh, for the rest of the time, uh, we're going to be answering some questions. If you have questions for us, you know, please drop them into the uh, official Paizo Twitch channel. Um, we have some questions that were asked earlier that uh, I think we're, we're going to dive into first. So, um, Jason, I think the first one here might be for you. Sure. Um, yeah, the question is, so PF1 has strange aeons. Would there ever be the possibility of a fully Lovecraftian horror plotted in space uh, Starfinder AP? Well, you know, we have the planet of Octurn uh, that exists, you know, obviously in, in, in the Glarian solar system uh, that uh, we have dabbled with a little bit here and there uh, in the, the describing it in the pack world's hard to cover and so forth. But uh, we haven't yet set any revenge on that. There might be some Starfinder scenario Scenario, Starfinder Society scenarios that it might be set on there, but um, uh, 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 that it would be with the, probably the place where we would think about kicking off anything Lovecraftian. Um, we don't have any plans uh, at the moment exactly. There might be something coming up that sort of touches on it a little bit uh, that I uh, we can't talk about just yet. But uh, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, but uh, it is that you know it's always it's all on our list. We have the list of APs and, and and adventure ideas. That's always just like, what if Octurn, you know, which we've said might be a giant egg. What if it finally hatches? What was what would happen there? Um, so uh, it's definitely on our it's definitely on our on our radar, so to speak. So, yeah. Something bad? Would it be something bad that happens? Probably something bad. It's not. Oh no! It's a big big cupcake. It was a big cupcake inside all the time. Everyone a pinata. Octrin's a pinata. Sweet candy. It's just candy in there. <laughs> just 
sweet, sweet madness-inducing candy. <laughs> uh, we have a question on the Twitch channel from Fedora Ferret asking, how will magic classes work in Outlaws of Alkenstar? Great question, uh, because as I mentioned earlier, place where magic doesn't always function uh, as you might expect. Um, uh, we talk about this in, uh, uh, you know, we, we mentioned more of the, you know, the implications of unpredictable magic in uh, Alkenstar and the Manaways in the Impossible Lands Lost Omens uh, book, which is coming out around the same time as this. No, no coincidence there, but. Um, you know, basically, uh, one of the, you know, the, the core, uh, you know, ideas behind every adventure path we do is allowing players to play a variety of characters. You know, we don't want to, uh, especially with magic, there's uh, quite a few classes that, um, you know, use magic. So it would kind of, it'd be kind of a weird AP if everyone had to be a gunslinger, a fighter, or a rogue. Uh, so, so basically, uh, the way it's it's uh, going to work without giving too much away is that um, you know there are certain it, it's more or less you know up to the group to decide. There, there's tiers, right? It's like, do we want to be you know a low magic game, and here's some suggestions for how to do that, or do we want to like you know maybe sometimes at you know certain there, there's basically like kind of like weather in Alkenstar, like uh, you know there's times when magic is more unpredictable during like mana storms and stuff like that, and so. Um, you know, might take a day off to do some crafting or something like that during one of those, but uh, you know, get back to the adventure when when it's uh, the weather's cleared. Um, and then there's you know all the way to don't worry about it. You know, magic works except for you know certain explicit events. Uh, uh, magic works as you think it does, and that that's a good one for you know uh, groups that might be new to the. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Sorry about the uh, technical difficulties. Uh, as everyone uh, was quick to make excellent jokes in the chat, uh, Manastorm uh, took out the feed. But we are <laughs> we are back, and uh, I, I, yeah, we uh, we were we were talking about adventure paths, uh, Starfinder, Pathfinder, everything in between. Uh, answering your questions, if you go to Twitch.tv/officialpizo and drop them in there. Um, and and yeah, let's just let's just dive back in. Um, Ron, let's see, uh, you already covered this a little bit. Uh, somebody asks, you know, so is Bloodlord's uh, Bloodlord's adventure path basically the evil AP or just evil adjacent like Skull and Shackles? And you you mentioned that it's not the evil AP, um, but it's not the good AP, right? Yeah, that's it's it's better to think of this not as must be evil characters as would have a hard time playing good characters. I feel like if you're if you if you get together with your friends, tell an awesome story about doing good deeds and sort of like making the world better, you can do so by playing neutral characters. You're going to make things better at the end, but you can if you also have a you know just a whole group of you know people who like the backstabbiness and just want to be as evil as possible. This adventure path will also do you well in that regard. Awesome. Uh, another one for you, Ron. Uh, someone wanted to hear if, if we can get a snippet uh, of the Gazetteer in Strength of Thousands Five. Oh, that's the uh, the um, Akaton, which is the uh, our our Galarian solar system uh, equivalent of Mars. It's mostly a uh, uh, cold desert uh, and uh, red sands and uh, tough sort of hard life there. Um, the Gazetteer in the back talks about generally what Akaton is like as far as its environment, its gravity, some of the effects. 
Uh, it talks about some of the, the different types of people that live there. Um, mostly the, the types. There are, there are a type of humans that live on Akaton, um, but there are a lot of uh, uh, there are Formians that are the, the ant people at Keshtis, which is sort of the Akatonian uh, lizard folk. Um, uh, Yasoki, who are the, the Akatonian uh, rat folk. Um, uh, so it talks about some of the people. And then it goes into detail about one city in particular on Akaton, the city, uh, city state of Seldo, which is which plays into the adventure in kind of an important way. So as not only is it emblematic of what a city on Akaton might be like, it's one that people who are playing the adventure will find immediately useful. Why does that all sound so familiar? Have I have we <laughs> heard of Akaton? Why does that all Akaton stuff sound so familiar to me? And and Yasoki, you know that there's like these rat uh, people yeah, called Yasoki. Keshti. Yeah, why? Mm. Why? <laughs> I heard they can squirt blood out of their eyes. Can they? Can they still squirt blood out of their eyes? Oh man, yes, can they? Um, <laughs> yeah, one can do that if you try hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also have a longer than usual. I will say we also have a longer than usual uh, set of monsters in the back of that adventure. A little bit longer. Um, that has uh, provides a lot of different sort of uh, uh, creatures that you might find on Akaton. I want to. I want to give a great big shout out to James Jacobs for. Um, working so hard to help develop that. I was in kind of a bind and like a uh, like a superhero, James swooped in in order to help out with that development. Awesome. <laughs> uh, folks in the chat keep asking, let's see, or the, I, I, they, I think they ask and I keep wanting to answer. Uh, uh, folks are curious about the Mammoth Lords AP as it's uh, as it might be casually known, uh, also known as Quest for the Frozen Flame, which is coming out before um, before the Outlaws of Alkenstar Adventure Path. And uh, the, the, the basic gist of the Quest for the Frozen Flame Adventure Path, uh, I think Eric touched on it in his keynote, but um, it's uh, kind of a, a, a love letter for me to, um, to uh, Pre prehistoric human species, you know, humanity as a species. Um, it it uh, really speaks to a lot of my personal interest, and I really couldn't have done it without the, the great talent and work of the authors. Uh, who, one uh, you may recognize uh, named uh, uh, Ron, Ron Lundeen, uh, and Stephanie Lundeen uh, wrote the, the first volume. And uh, uh, the second volume uh, is written by Jessica Catalan, and uh, the third volume is written by uh, 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 Jason Tondro. Um, really excited for this adventure path. It's it's as its name suggests. It's kind of a um, you're searching for a the frozen flame, as it's uh, poetically known. It's this uh, grand artifact uh, that is called. Its actual name is the primordial flame, and so it's. Um, mm. The, the basic idea behind that is it's uh, the um, the the a lot of mammoth lord cultures uh, you know revere this goddess uh, named Sister Cinder and she gifted the primordial flame to humans in the aftermath of Earthfall and the, and the Age of Ashes when when the world was cast into darkness for a thousand years and stuff like that so after that she was like okay humans need a need a hand here uh, here's light you know here's fire and handed it over to um, you know, a, a particular mammoth lord following. And uh, it kind of, that all happened a long time ago, right? And so 
uh, without getting too too much into the actual events of the uh, adventure path, you know, there is a reason to look into that old legend, that old story of this this uh, powerful lantern that that is capable of you know making the harsh realm of the mammoth lords livable. You know, it's this brutal uh, tundra where it, you know there's giant uh, lizards and giant mammoths and all sorts of megafauna and dinosaurs walking around, and uh, humans have somehow carved out uh, uh, their you know own little existence, and so. It, it really is just a, a kind of kind of um, I, I'm I really am passionate about the idea of non-agricultural societies, hunter-gatherers, um, you know, animal migrations. The the idea of humans as an animal species. You know, what does it mean to live with the world rather than without it or apart from it? Um, so, if you're at all interested in, um, you know, uh, the realm of the mammoth lords, uh, which is a region we haven't touched on a lot in previous Pathfinder products, or um, you know, uh, the Northlands at all, or our big dinosaurs or big megafauna, uh, or you know, potentially riding a mammoth into battle, that kind of thing, uh, this is definitely the the adventure path that I think will will really check a lot of boxes for you, and and it's also a great entry point if you're kind of new to the, the the setting because there's a lot of new stuff in it that we have you know we haven't delved into this part of the world too much before so there's a lot of opportunity for new uh, you know religions and cultures and stuff like that like sister cinder which i mentioned is totally new to this adventure path you know um so we we explore what what these ideas mean to these people up there uh, yeah really really excited for that adventure path hope hope everyone else is as well I've seen a question on the Twitch chat that I can probably uh, try to answer. Um, the biggest threat to the Starfinder universe, what is it? Um, I mean, you could ask probably uh, all of the people who work on Starfinder that question and get a, a, a slightly different answer. Uh, it depends on, you know, if you're talking about um, uh, if the Swarm decided to come back to the Pact Worlds and the Vescarium, that would be a huge, terrible thing that, we, that, that might just wipe out all, all the life as we know it in those two systems. Um, you know, you talk about the uh, Aslanti Star Empire, who are a bunch of, you know, evil expansionists and space fascists. Um, those are, that's a, if, if they were to get the, some technology that would allow them to get all of their ships to Absalom Station a lot quicker, uh, they would be a gigantic threat, uh, of course. Um, What's another good one? Uh, you know, we, we, we touched a little bit on the uh, the Dominion of the Black here and there. We haven't really delved into what kind of a threat they pose. So they're, they're kind of on the fringes, I think. Um, uh, yeah, but I would probably just say those two, the swarm. And, and of course, you know, the existential crisis of living amongst, uh, in, in, a, in a, a vast, uncaring galaxy is probably one of the bigger threats to the Starfinder setting. Uh, okay. I'll throw That's something awesome. in there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah James, please. Not, um, as an outside observer, not really involved too much in Starfinder, but uh, to tie back to an earlier question about people asking about uh, Lovecraftian influences on future Starfinder adventures, I'll point out that Narlathotep is one of your core deities, and uh, who's not oh, to yeah. say that he's not That's the right. one that's been pulling the strings on everything. That's kind of what he does. So that's my theory about Starfinder. That's a good one. Yeah, I, I forgot to mention that. I was that. talking with Rob about, and uh, he wouldn't let me go forward with them, so I've talked them away. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's talk about them now. Not now, but like you know, 
Right on through. We'll concept the next start. Man, this is going to be an AP panel where we concept the next AP among the uh, the professionals. At, uh... A live brainstorm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I need Arthur the ideas. Trumpet. Arthur Trumpet asks: Are there any plans for further eleven through twenty APs? Uh, so level level eleven through twenty, because we've mentioned uh, a few uh, first through tenth level adventure paths, Abomination Vaults, uh, Quest for the Frozen Flame, Outlaws of Alkenstar are all first through tenth level. Um, you know, uh, uh, it, it would be you know one of our one of the, the strongest things one of the things i like most about second edition is uh the high level play is so cool and um you know is it's exciting in its own way right so um we'd be remiss to not explore that again you know obviously we uh yeah without you know without getting too into it it would be foolish not to do more 11th through 20th level ap's we just kind of and maybe ron you can help me out with this but it's uh we, we kind of we choose what level ranges, you know, whether that's a six part AP that spans first through 20th or a three part AP that's first through 10th or 10th, you know, 11th through 20th. We kind of choose, you know, that range based on the story we want to tell and what, you know, exactly. what levels make sense for that setting, the, the people in that setting, the stories, that kind of thing. You think, you think that's right? I, that absolutely right. I think the, the, the formal corporate speak answer would be, we have nothing to say about that at this time. But as you mentioned, we we are very interested in making sure that the stories that we tell feel like they fit the right characters that are playing in them. And if we have something that is like the Ruby Phoenix tournament, which draws the best of the best from all over the world, absolutely an 11th through 20th level AP is the way to tell that story. We, we do have plenty of stories that we're, we're thinking about, that we're kicking around, that are about, it, that are that kind of way. It's like, well, what if one, some of the most powerful heroes around did X? Or this thing happened and only the most powerful heroes around could, could help or stop it. Exactly. Sorry. <laughs> the, most, the most powerful forces on the on the stream. The most powerful dog around. Um, yeah. So th that is absolutely something we're interested in pursuing further in the future. Definitely. I have a question for Ron about Bloodlords. Okay, go ahead. Um, is there a mechanic built into the Bloodlords adventure path to handle if your character starts out as alive? and then gets killed in an encounter, can they come back undead and finish the adventure path? Oh man, there sure ought to be. Yes, we, I'm, yes, I'm not far enough along in the development of the adventure path. Right now I'm I'm um, going through the very first one that's been turned over, Mike Kimmel's uh, Zombie Feast, which is a delight in the most horrid of ways. Um, but I want to make sure that we get sort of the finale, the final rules of how that works for characters in Book of the Dead to say how that's going to apply. But yes, the intent is you kind of get, you sort of get two shots at going through the Bloodlords AP. You know, if you've, everybody's been there, you have this awesome character idea and then they die at fourth level or whatever. You're like, ah, shoot, now I'm going to make up another character. Now you kind of get another chance in Bloodlords if you're able to, to put on the right sort of um, archetype for your character. It's like, oh, you know, my, my necromancer, right? Patrick, you were talking about. All right, well, you know, I fell to an errant, hag spell but now i'm a ghoul i rise again as the uh as and can keep playing that character um i suspect that the party composition 
at the start of the campaign will may skew as a split between living and undead, but maybe by the end of the campaign, it's pretty <laughs> likely you're going to have a lot of undead characters, maybe exclusively undead characters. Can a necromancer <laughs> raise themselves? Distracted by uh, Bigby. Yeah, sorry, it's Bigby. <laughs> and can a necromancer cast an animate spell so powerful that he himself could come back from the uh, from the dead? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, there, yep, everyone's out. yeah. Uh, uh, the chat is full of big big comments. Full of big big comments. Yeah, tell us. A, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't think of any questions except about your dog, Jason. <laughs> He's gone now. He's gone is he, now. Is he a go? good boy? That's my question. <laughs> he is a good boy. He can be a real good boy. He can also be a real butthole sometimes. <laughs> uh, you know how dogs can be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, see there, uh, Jason. Did you did you already address this one? I'm sorry if I've forgotten. Uh, will there be any spoilers for Horizons of the Vast, which I hear has a cool second oh, right. volume? <laughs> it does have a very yeah. cool second volume. I don't want to. I mean, I guess I could spoil some stuff uh, if we're if if you're all here for that. Um, I could talk a little bit about what the the some of the secrets of what's going on. Uh, so if you're, uh, I tell you now, if you're about to play Horizons of the Vast and you don't want to hear any spoilers, tune out now. Okay, they're gone. They're, okay, let's let's all talk real. That's all. We're all real here, right? Now, um, so the thing about uh, what what I've been uh, I never really sort of said out loud, dancing around, is that the, there is a a phenomenon that occurs in this uh, system. Uh, that uh, every 100 years where all sapient life gets wiped out uh, because of this titanic negative energy creature that has attached itself to uh, this wandering pulsar that that orbits basically right um, and uh, it just sort of devours up all that good, good old life energy and then keeps spinning um, so uh, uh, eventually the PCs will learn that they're not the first people to have settled the planet and uh, finding their ruins uh, some of them only even like a century ago so they're not still technologically advanced you find like an old laboratory uh, and that they're thinking oh something's going on with the radiation here and then they've disappeared you find an old you know monastery uh, an old the Solarian Monastery deep underground. You know, you find some evidence that the Islantic Star Empire used to be on the moon. Uh, a whole bunch of stuff. You find the evidence of the swarm sort of slumbering in the in the uh, uh, in, in a nearby ice giant. Why, you know, they managed to protect themselves from this this threat. Uh, but but they, you know, then you've got they begin waking up. Um, so there's a lot of different threats that sort of happen, but it all uh, culminates in the fact that you've got this uh, this thing, this this massive creature uh, entity. Uh, uh, that doesn't really care whether or not you live or die. Uh, would probably prefer that you do die, but uh, it's not going to be doing anything. But they also have uh, cultist followers, essentially uh, these these drillics, which are uh, these kind of green uh, bulbous aliens from the um, Shadar Confederacy, who uh, sort of worship. Um, uh, some of them worship this sort of philosophy of of, of entropy and, and negative energy, uh, and, and uh, oh, hello, he uh, Bigby doesn't. Uh, um, the spoilers, I know Bigby. He doesn't want me to go any further. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but basically, uh, they uh, they've been they they've discovered the fact that this thing happens, and this cycle happens, and they come back every one hundred years to just kind of watch it because they're creeps. Uh, but then they you know they start sort of uh, getting involved because the PCs you have know, and have built a planet that may, maybe they could figure out a way to withstand it. So the so these drillics kind of have to step in. Um, uh, they try to step in, but it ends up the, you know, uh, and then at the 
in that sixth volume, there's basically a big war that happens in space. Uh, you're, you know, you have to raise and basically, you know, raise up your fleets uh, and go to uh, go to go to war there. Have a nice big armada combat, uh, and then uh, eventually take the fight to this titanic negative energy creature. There, I've spoiled That's the whole awesome. dang thing. Yeah, Good job. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. Everybody Everyone come back now. Can, can come back now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, can I ask we'll, a question? We'll I want to. Yeah, I want to ask yeah. a question of James real quick. So I ran the original Kingmaker Adventure Path, and it's one of the most memorable campaigns I've ever run. Coming to the new Kingmaker as someone who's has done the last. What's going to be the most? What do you think is going to be the most exciting thing for me? As like I've run it before. I mean, maybe I'm excited to run it again. I pick for a whole new group of people. I pick it up. What's it going to excite me the most about the new Kingmaker? Uh, for you specifically, that you wrote one of the adventures, the adventures. <laughs> but I know that one. But I know that one. <laughs> uh, for me, well, the fact that the, the section that Ron wrote is, is set under Candlemere Island, which is we teased in the original one as being sort of a Yog Sothoth uh, hideout and uh, didn't do much more with it. And then the Alcat view game kind of touched on it a little bit, but didn't do much more with it. So. That's an area that I really wanted to add more stuff in, obviously, because that's in stuff I'm into. But um, uh, that whole section uh, happens when you're it's a 16th level adventure. It's pretty pretty high level. Um, I think though, uh, if I were to say the thing that would be most exciting is is the end of the original run where you go into the first world and and fight against Narissa. Um, that's not the end of this one. Uh, this There's sort of a secret ending to the Alcat video game that if you do certain things, you unlock and you can play a little bit beyond the, uh, the canonical ending. And we've uh, taken that sort of, used it as sort of an inspiration, but there's, there's, a, there's sort of a coda, a chapter. Uh, there's there's a, a, an extra chapter at the very end that uh, I think has got some pretty outlandish fights and stuff like that going on in there. Um, I think another thing too that that um, if you've run Kingmaker before that you'll get a kick out of in this one is that a lot of areas that we just didn't have room to really explore too much in the first version that have ended up being super you know touchstone areas that people just always loved them. One of the ones in Rob McCurry's uh, adventure, the second adventure, uh, Rivers Run Red, there is a a sort of a provocateur type guy, Gregory, who comes from the neighboring nation of Pedax and uh, does all the sort of shenanigans trying to undermine you with propaganda and spreading rumors and all that and it was we had room for, i think maybe half a page page uh not even a whole page to cover all of the stuff that he was doing in your kingdom and uh in the second edition version we've managed to expand that to like three or four pages he's got a full like npc write up at the back there's all these new actions downtime activities and stuff to go on uh, that you can do to, to put him on trial or to chase him down or to fight against the propaganda. And uh, I think that's probably the part that I had the most fun developing was just second edition opens up so much more framework and support for stuff outside of just combat, you know, with downtime activities and exploration activities and, and all that stuff. And that's really stuff that Kingmaker wants to lean in hard on and, and to, to do because it's, it's all about building a kingdom and you can't really do that on a round by round basis. So there's a lot of, this is sort of a rambling answer. I, I agree. But, um, so second I second edition is really poised yeah, for that. Yeah, I agree. I think you'd really like oh. Ron is that the kingdom itself is kind of set up as a player character itself. So it's not something that you have to 
scrounge build points and build one piece at a time. It's going to level up along with you. So sort of inspired oh, like how Starfinder does spaceships as their own sort of character, how uh, Hell's Rebels has the yep. revolution as its own character. Your kingdom is going to gain feats and skills. Lots, lots of stuff. Um, all right, we're, we're uh, got to wrap up the, the stream here. Thank you, everybody. Uh, oh, yeah, I'll answer one quick question. Lightning round. Some, uh, I forget who uh, asks, uh, any new animal companions in Quest for Frozen Flame? Yes, of course. Love animals, love animal companions. Uh, you don't just have to ride. I mean, if you, you know, mammoths aren't the only cool critters that would make a great mount in the, uh, the Frozen North. Um, awesome prehistoric stuff like saber-toothed tigers, um, dinosaurs, that kind of thing. If you're interested in that, definitely get into that. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, and uh, the next uh, panel will be starting soon. Uh, yeah, stay tuned. And we're, going, and we're going to the Discord. Yeah.